got bored, hacked into NASA at 13, <laughs> stole the space shuttle blueprints, got busted by the NSA, did a deal where um, they don't extradite me if I help protect their networks. That started a relationship with the government that's lasted 30 years. Um, was diagnosed with an IQ 197, so on the fifth highest in history. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a super duper special edition of the Money Mondays because it's very rare that we have anyone come back for a second time. But this guest is probably going to come back for a third, fourth, or fifth time as many as times as we can convince him, or we can find him, or we can spare some time for us because this is a dear friend of mine. <sighs> Where do I start? Well, first of all, his TV show is kind of like an autobiography with a fun twist to it and some fun stories to it. Had over 24 million viewers to give you a good context most shows have less than 1 million viewers actually well, most only have a couple hundred thousand but most good shows have 1 million viewers this had 24 million viewers on cbs called scorpion the main character in the show was called walter o'brien that might be a hint for you the guy sitting next to me is called walter o'brien but i'm gonna get there also he's considered the fifth smartest human on the planet his legacy and stories, it'll take me way too long because the intro will take the whole time of our 40 minutes. So I don't want to go too far into it. I'll let him give a quick bio as we get to that. But some of the fun ones are, and what I want to ask about is, he helped catch the Boston Bombers. Like his technology, he was interviewed on all these news channels talking about catching the Boston Bombers. When you think about the butterfly effect of that, of what those guys could have done and would have done the next week, the next month, the next year, the next year, the next year, if they didn't get caught by this gentleman sitting next to me, the butterfly effect of that is so impactful. And he's done that on a multitude of cases, probably hundreds of times, if not thousands of times in scenarios that I probably will never ever hear about because it's top secret and classified. But we're going to talk about at least a couple of them today. Not the top secret ones, but a couple of stories today. Also, we're sitting with my co-host, The Real Tarzan. As I always mention to you guys, The Real Tarzan gets over 200 million views across social media, but he's at 195 million views on Instagram just this month. So he's going to hit over 200 million views, obviously, tonight, uh, just on Instagram. So I actually don't even know the number of what he's got on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all these other channels combined. The numbers are insane because he makes animal content that you guys care about. I love to watch. And I've been watching it for I don't know, almost a decade now. Ever <laughs> since whenever you first started, I was watching far before I knew. And so without further ado, please give a warm round of applause wherever you are on the planet to Mr. Walter O'Brien. Woo! Thanks for having me, Dan. All right. So with our main context typically is we talk about how to make money and invest money, how to give it away to charity. We've gone over some of those topics with you in the past, obviously with our first episode, you guys that are listening, you should definitely go back and check out that episode. There are some really fun stories, some of my favorite stories that I've heard four or five times. I still get excited like a little kid to hear about a sixth and seventh time because they're such good stories. So go back and check out those podcast stories. I don't want to repeat the stories on this episode. We're gonna ask different questions, different topics today, but make sure to check out that podcast episode. As you guys know, we keep our episodes to around 40 minutes because the average workout is 40 minutes. The average commute to work is 40 minutes. So we like to keep it nice and clean. Also, you can go to themoneymondays.com to share, like, comment, subscribe to keep us at number one. We've been number one for 43 out of our 52 weeks on the, on the air. Number wow. one in the entrepreneur category. And so I'd like for you guys to keep us, help fight the good fight. And we can do that by you liking, commenting, sharing, subscribing, etc. Posting some of these clips across social media. And I can guarantee there will be clips from today. So without further ado, if you can, give a, I don't know if you can do in two minutes, a quick two-minute bio, and then we'll get straight into asking some fun questions. I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Um, 
from Ireland originally, dairy farmer's son, um, got bored, hacked into NASA at 13, <laughs> stole the space shuttle blueprints, got busted by the NSA, did a deal where um, they don't extradite me if I help protect their networks. That started a relationship with the government that's lasted 30 years. Um, was diagnosed with an IQ of 197, so on the fifth highest in history. Um, succeeded despite that disability. Spent the rest of my life using my IQ to simulate my EQ because apparently the higher the IQ, the lower the EQ. I started a consulting company where I hired other high IQ geniuses. I thought that would be a good idea. I was wrong. <laughs> um, because of the low EQ, the ability to read people, uh, micro signals, sales, marketing, account management, etc. Turns out we need that stuff. So I hired people with high EQ test scores to manage the people with high IQ, and that balanced out the think tank and turned my company into a home for the mentally enabled. So the company for 20 years, because my degrees were computer science and artificial intelligence, solved any kind of technical problem for companies and banks and so on. It got bigger, 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 a lot of cyber issues while we were doing the military stuff. And then for the last 15 years or so, we started solving non-technical problems where people reached out to us because they knew us and they were going through divorces or court cases or medical mysteries or disgruntled employees or intellectual property theft. And they needed deep forensics research, deep web, dark web, settlement analysis, work with their lawyers, expert witness, whatever. And uh, it turns out in our kind of engineered disciplined approach, we were very useful in those cases. So that business is called Concierge Up. And we tell people, if you want to search something, type it in Google. If you want it to happen, type it in Concierge Up. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. First so question. Many questions. <laughs> you go first. You go first. You never go first. You go first. Okay, I'm going to go first today. All the security you've done, all the hacking you've done, all the collaborations with NASA and the government. I have a question. How can I save animals? Elephants. Well, there's an elegant solution that was used in rural Africa that I, I liked. I didn't do this one, but it's a, a good example of the kind of things we do, um, where the animals were ruining the crops of the local farmers, so the farmers would shoot the elephants. And um, apparently, um, I didn't know this, but elephants are deathly afraid of bees. So they started hanging beehives, whatever, every 100 yards, formed a beehive fence, virtual fence, that kept the elephants away harmlessly and then the farmers the, the story spread far and wide and the farmers actually harvested the honey and sold it as element uh, elephant friendly honey because it wasn't hurting the elephants and now it's a win-win ecological solution <laughs> wow that's great that's so cool <laughs> uh, if you really want to save animals then you got to change your brain structure and go do something away from animals to make the most money possible, to then hire lobbyists and politicians in Washington, to then change tax laws on meat, to then force restaurants to use whichever meat is cheaper, because that's what they'll care about if you're going the veganism route. But most of the vegans I know don't feel like doing that. It's easier to just block the trucks for an hour before they go into the slaughterhouse, which really just pisses off the truck driver. But if you really want to change the world, you have to start by rewiring your own brain and doing all the things you don't feel like doing. Hmm. Thank you. So when we talked about the Boston bomber situation, 
and I saw obviously a bunch of the news interviews they were doing. Walk us through the concept of the technology that helped catch them. Sure. Um, and that's always a weird one because we've stopped 29 terrorist attacks. That was the one we screwed up on because the attack happened. Mm -hmm. But that's the one obviously people hear about. So you don't hear about the 28 that didn't happen. Sure. Um, so it's like constantly being interviewed about your failure. But um, they had 4,000 hours of footage because it was a well-televised -tele event plus ATM cameras, plus people's cell phones, etc. And the first thing we had to do is pull out uh, uh, my degrees in computer science and AI taught us a lot about image recognition and what's called flow analysis. So the first step was to use a tool that would throw away out of 4,000 hours all the footage where nothing interesting happened. Everyone's standing there swaying in the wind, but nobody's panicking or running anywhere. There's nothing interesting happening. So we temporarily remove all of that. That's after we marshal all the data into one format, because as you can imagine, between iPhones and Androids and old phones and ATMs right. and traffic cameras, no two videos were the same format. Then we could narrow it down to footage where something did happen. Now, the first step in, in facial recognition is to find a head. So we use that little bit of an algorithm, a Gaussian filter, to identify where people's heads were. and if a terrorist attack happens, like right here, right now, all of us would go down, be shocked at the same time, get up and slowly or quickly exit whatever way we came in. So I would see a bunch of red dots bounce and then go in a V shape out the door. So if someone didn't act surprised and suddenly sauntered off in the other direction, I would have a weird red line. And that would be an object of interest or non-herd behavior. And that was the crux of how they identified by the, within 24 hours who they were looking for. Then once I know where they were and where they were standing, now I can go back to all the footage I threw away where we thought nothing interesting happened and bring that back in for that piece of sidewalk and go, where do these guys come from? What direction yeah, did they come from? Exactly. So now we can <laughs> hyper-analyze hyper that data. So fascinating. It's so. <laughs> <Wow>. great. <laughs> there was a story you told me about like a military base and like something with the locals want like try to poison the popcorn or something like can you explain that one <laughs> sure <laughs> um, um so in in afghanistan the the local drug lords are funded by their poppy fields and when you get deployed you get a mission briefing that says here's the weather here's the territory here's the good guys here's the bad guys Sometimes, like the local civil authorities, could be good guys or bad guys, depending on who bribed them last, so you don't know who to trust. And then here's all the equipment military has, and here's all the equipment the enemies have. They might use cars and trucks and bicycles and things. So I took all of that, and I had developed a technology. It's one of the fastest AI engines in the world called SenGen. It's a scenario generator. And I took all of those pieces, like chess pieces, and put them into SenGen and said, why don't you simulate everybody attacking everyone in every way using everything? And then it generates all these scenarios, like stories. And then I sorted it by the largest devastating loss of human life. And one of the ones I came up with was it said, if a drone malfunctioned and landed in a poppy field, standard operating procedures to burn down the poppy field. The drug lord will react, not necessarily knowing which which base the drone came from, but he'll try and punish the closest base. And he'll do that by um, 
putting arsenic in the water supply to the base, which would have affected about 400 people within two days was the calculation. So we just brought up this fictitious scenario and they were like, yep, that would be bad. So I said, well, if we put in a clean water uh, tank, and this is for like shower water and stuff, not for drinking water, and then put in a valve that'll detect high levels of arsenic and then switch over to the clean water supply and then set that up as an IOT, so just an internet device, so we would know if it ever switched. And that was cheap enough, so they did it. Uh, we forgot about it, and I think it was like three months later, we got the, no the signal in Datadog that that switched over. And that's exactly what had happened, but we predicted it three months in advance as what they could have done. And then uh, that made them think about everything else that comes into the base, and they do a picture day uh, every other Friday where they all watch movies. So the popcorn supplier to the base was another area where there was a, there was a plan to put arsenic in the popcorn supply. So wild. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so from the IQ and EQ perspective, right the second, are you forcing it? Always, except for once a month. Once a month, I have a group that gets together, kind of like Fight Club, but verbal where if you're caught being politically correct, you're kicked out. So I don't have to simulate EQ then. <laughs> so I try to walk that line between radical honesty that's still censored to allow for people's feelings. So you don't have to become a lawyer and lobby in Washington. <laughs> this is do, great. Do you think, I don't want to say normal humans, but do you think... <laughs> the shoulder touch, by the way, was simulated EQ. Yes, exactly. I was wondering how you did that. <laughs> He likes to laugh, so every five minutes I'll throw a joke out. <laughs> Do you think that people in general have too many emotions, not enough emotions, or can understand their emotions? Um, it's a touchy subject. I mean, it depends a little bit on your job. If you, you know, I would be the worst kindergarten teacher in the world, according to my Myers-Briggs test, right? So there, you need a lot of emotions. I would make a terrible nurse, right? But apparently, I'd be perfect to run an emergency room doing a triage in the middle of a war zone. Like, let these three guys die, save these 15 people. So... Is that the greater good? That, that would be a greater good calculation, which is a whole other okay, interesting discussion. Yeah. But the... Because um, you're right, depends on what the 15 guys are going to do and the three yeah. guys are going to do if you keep them alive. But um, in general, I find that emotions are the downfall of most people and most companies. Because as soon as you detach from reality and you start going into the delusion of what you wish things were and you hope things were and you'd like things to be instead of dealing with the harsh reality of what is, um, then you're lost and vulnerable to your competition. And the definition of delusion is anything that only you think. If I think I'm eight feet tall and everyone else is like, nope, then you're delusional. And unfortunately, it's, it's far too rampant um, that people are allowed to be delusional because nobody wants to offend them or hurt their feelings or bring them back to earth. And they, nobody loves them enough to do that. And in fact, for every CEO, a lot of what we do at our customers, uh, companies, especially startups, is recommend they have a governance board in a retaliation bubble so they can't be fired for five years, whose sole job is to tell the CEO when he's being an idiot and he can't fire them. And it starts with me asking the CEO, do you believe you're always right? And if right. he says yes, I'm like, nice to meet you. Have a good day. <laughs> but if he's not a narcissist, then I'll be like, okay, well, let's pick out the six smartest guys that you fully respect who've been in your company the longest, what I call boiler room people who've been hands-on. And then if the six of them or four of them disagree with you, 
shouldn't you heed that and maybe veto your decision? And then let's set up that board. So then all of you would have to be wrong simultaneously to go down the wrong path. Otherwise, there's too much pressure on the CEO to like, you better be right all the time because you'll steer the ship straight into rocks if you if you don't. And the good CEOs will, will, will want that. So I'm going to ask you a question about a topic. And for the most part, I don't think people could answer this honestly. And I know you will very bluntly. The greater good and the whole theory behind the greater good. When I just mentioned, you just mentioned about three, three guys versus 15 guys. What if the three guys are the president, the vice president, and the attorney general, or some, you know, some former power, some, some important, or the king, whatever is in a different country, the three versus 15, or three versus 1,500, or 15,000? Or when does that number become, hey, we need to keep the president, or the king, or the prince, whatever, alive? So you just talk to us in general about the greater good theory. Well, probably using three politicians is the, is the, is the wrong example because <laughs> that's an easy decision. I mean, this happened in Africa where, where the Bill Gates Foundation, one of the first things they offered was, uh, I think, a million-dollar prize for anyone who designs a more effective, comfortable condom because you take one guy who's starving to death, you help him, feed him, rid him of malaria. He goes and has 13 kids who then all starve to death. Did you save one guy or did you just kill 13 people? And is the real root cause sex education, not starvation? So um, you can't predict the future for everyone, but you can predict a certain amount. So part of my goals and my philanthropy is I help the people who can help the most people. Um, Sometimes you'll have, it'll be very uh, controversial or opposite that nobody wants to hear. I had a scheduling conflict once. I was supposed to speak at an inner city school full of kids. Um, at the same day, I was supposed to speak at a private charter school in Beverly Hills. And there was just a screw up in the scheduling. And then I was leaving town. because I'd only speak at one of them. Now everyone would say, pulling on the heartstrings, go speak at the, uh, the inner city school. But I stick with my values. And those say, I need to do the greater good. If I speak at the inner city schools and I inspire whatever, 10 kids there. Those 10 kids don't have resources, don't have funding from their parents, will not go to an Ivy League college, don't have their dad connected to lawyers and accountants and funders and VCs to start businesses, etc. If I speak at the Beverly Hills School, all those kids, or nine out of 10 of them, if they're inspired to run a startup or build their own business, can employ 30 to 600 kids from the inner city school because they can actually start their business and it will actually get off the ground and it will actually get funded because they have the network. Most people don't want to admit that, but that would be a good example of the greater good math. It's almost never the obvious thing that the fairy tales would want you to think. There's a, there's that theoretical thing we've seen a meme about, like, would you push this button to save this many people, but it, you know it kills one baby or 10 babies or 20 babies. And then they've made different versions of the meme. And that's really based on the greater good, right? How do people take that into consideration or can they not because of emotions well a lot of people never matter enough to be in a position of choosing life or death uh, unless they're in military assignments at a commander level where they have to make a call kill these 200 people or we could have world war three escalation for 24 million for eight years yeah. so push the button, push the button. <laughs> um but you got to factor a lot of things in. So if it was two strangers, I don't know the difference between them. 
But now let's factor in one of them's younger. Okay, that that's a that's a bonus. And you factor in, you know, the other one's IQ. Okay, they might be capable of more stuff. But then you factor in that they're an addict, and and they're probably, you know, the the odds of reversing an addiction even after rehab is about five percent. So six months after rehab, about ninety to ninety-five percent of people go right back to the way they were. Right. So now I'm like, okay, well. The guy I was uh, I had in mind, if he's an addict, okay, there's ninety five percent chance of not turning it around. So now I'm back to the younger person who has an unknown IQ and an unknown support structure, and it's it's literally you can either turn a blind eye to everything because that's easier, or on mass you can start going down and go, what about this orphanage versus this school versus this basketball team versus this science league versus this robotics team, who do you help? You just talked about this in one of your speeches where you're talking about when you're investing, if you have somewhere that's opened 17 restaurants and they're going to open their 18th restaurant, the risk is low. So if I have some kid who's, let's say, smart, disciplined, um, finished his computer science degree and has been working for three years consistently in a job, and I have the choice between saving him or someone else who's done nothing ever, then I'm, I'm going to bet on the one that has the lowest risk of failing. So I've seen you talk about for years something about the year 2045. Can you walk us through what that is and why is it so important to our society? Okay. Um, So the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs says for self-actualization, we should use the gifts and skills we have to do the most good for society before we die. So it seems obvious then that logically, if we didn't die, we could do that better. (laughs) longer and part of my goal with that is i'd like to do that and i feel like i have been while not being miserable so i don't want to party all my life and help nobody and i don't want to help everyone and be miserable myself i'd like to help as many people as possible and keep my own happiness above a seven out of ten so and if i can do that without dying then i can do that longer therefore it makes sense that it's the greater good 2045 is a mega project that uh, involves many, many other um, companies in a thing called transhumanism. And all it means is you're not your fingers and your toes and your arms and your legs. You are your consciousness and your memories. We are electrical activity running on a biological computer. Two and a half petabytes of storage, near as we can tell, and about 100 million neurons. So if I can move that into a different structure, then I'm not dead. I'm not married to my meat skeleton. I don't care what happens to that. Uh, So it's our biology that lets us down, not the electrical activity in our brain. So we're getting to the point now where MRI scans and Neuralink that Elon's funding and a bunch of other efforts are getting closer and closer where we can back up our brain like we back up our iPhone. All of us every couple of years throw away our phones, go to a store, buy a new phone, download the software from the cloud and our phone's back. Uh, why not do that with our bodies? So you can either get bodies or stem cell clone humans. And then there's ways of accelerating the growth level in those humans so that uh, you could grow a 20 year old twin sister or twin brother within four years and then download your brain and consciousness into that person. So if you did that every time you hit 30 and put you back to a 20 year old body, even though your brain is 500 years old, you can live forever. And that's the first stage. There's head transplants that have been done. The later stage is you upload into what we would have known as the metaverse when they get it right. 
and we don't bother coming back. So this chat, this channel we're on here is PBS, right? We'd have 500 more fun channels to live in. If we all had our own instance of that, like in our own video game, then it solves every other problem known to mankind, which is why it's interesting to me. So if you take animal rights, you give back the planet, we're not using it. Global warming, we wouldn't be using fossil fuels to travel. Starvation, poverty, uh, fresh water, pure energy doesn't need to eat or drink. Um, but poverty, money means nothing in a virtual space. Uh, war over nepotism, politics, corruption, that won't happen in your own instance of the game because you're in charge. War over religion, which has been every war until the, the Ukrainian one. Um, you're less worried about God if you're never going to meet him, ever. And plus, who are you going to war with? You're kind of warring with yourself. And you, we could all have each other in our own instances of the game, but we can also kick out the people we don't like. Your brain is then a, a, a memory file, so you could delete the traumas you don't want to relive, but you'd still have the strength and personality that came from those traumas. And then if you did one in a physical world travel, you could rent the George Clooney special in New York, email your brain file there at the speed of light through fiber optic lines, and then walk around New York as George Clooney, just like you'd rent a car when you go there. There's no need to put our bodies on a jet. Now, what gets interesting is if you if I upload you once and download you five times, 10 minutes later, which one's the real Tarzan? If I take your brain file and delete your memories, is that your son? So there's some questions that we're working on. Wow. This is insane. Questions? Uh, no. <laughs> it's insane until you take it piece by piece and you go, go no, can we back up memory? Yes, we can. I have a question. You said our brain holds what kind of type? Two and a half petabytes. Petabytes. What is a terabyte versus a petabyte? A thousand terabytes is a petabyte. Okay. All right. So two and a half thousand terabytes. Well, we have hard drives that'll do that now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so. Okay. So you're saying that if I wanted to go to London, I could just rent a body I just rent George Clooney's body in London or Angelina Jolie's if you want to have fun <laughs> okay <laughs> the DNA and body chemistry doesn't have to match if it's just electrical and then I just transfer I just email my brain all the files to George Clooney in London yeah and then I just walk around yep do my meetings and then I go back to the rental car center <laughs> and drop my body off and then come back to... Sort of. I mean, that's correct. But you're so busy, what you would do is split your file, send one Dan on vacation, the other Dan would keep working here, and then you just merge your memory file when you come back. How many Dans can there be? Infinite. <laughs> you can afford a lot of hard drives. <laughs> so I can go to London, Cabo, Costa Rica, Cancun, New York, Miami, Las Vegas... At the same time? Sure. Why not? It's just electricity. That's the, that's the mind fuck. We are all just electrical signals. We think we're something more special than that and so on. But at the end of the day, if you cut off my arm, I'm still me. If you give me a heart transplant, I'm still me. You give me a liver transplant, I'm still me. Cut my legs off, I'm still me. So which part is me? Why can't we move that around? Why is that organ so special we can't touch it? Hmm. <laughs> you ever have so many questions and nothing comes out? <laughs> yeah. It's like you're 
You're very intelligent. <laughs> that, that, that's certified. Very intelligent. Okay. So. Didn't want to let you down. <laughs> keep you bored. All right. <laughs> okay. So, can I, later down the road, as technology is getting better and better and better, basically become like the bionic man? Let's say I don't want to shit my brain. Can I just become like the bionic man and like a Build-A-Bear? Like just put on robotic parts? Yeah, of course. You just... Yeah, again, you would. There's the movie Surrogates covers that, where humans, their bodies are so fragile, it's better to send out a a, a virtual or not virtual a, a a cyborg in our place. If that cyborg has an accident, gets hit by a bus, has a crime, gets shot, whatever, you're sitting at home in your easy chair and you send out another one. And it is like you to a T. Yeah, it's like if you jack into VR right now and walk around the metaverse, why not walk around in the real world? And you can do that now, but put an Oculus Rift helmet on and flying a drone outside and just fly around, but you're safe inside. How long? Now, let's say you did get up tomorrow and go for a jog and get hit by a bus. If we back you up every night like we would your phone and we have your stem cell brother in the closet and we put them back together, then all you lost was breakfast. Question for that. (laughs) You said you can take a, a... Twin embryo, and I've like you can raise it to twenty years old in four years. Yeah. How? Well, telomeres have been adjusted in order to slow down aging, typically, but you can also use them to speed up aging if you help them unravel faster. Telomere. Telomere. Is that like an ingredient, or is it's it? it's it's basically what they figured out that causes aging. It's it's our part of our DNA in our cells that unravel like laces on a shoe like that little plastic cap on the top of your your laces and if you take that off your shoelaces start unraveling yeah that's basically what happens when we get old but they have ways now of reinforcing that plastic so it so you don't start unraveling as quickly hmm. if we make it unravel faster then you age quicker could you put that in someone's dog food and make their dog immortal well, the first head transplants were with dogs, actually. I have the diagrams on my phone if you want to see, but... We do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 19, 1960s. I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously most of the studies have been done on, on human brains, uh, but there's no reason to believe dog brains or animal brains are any different. The only problem is once you upload and download again, you have to do a lot of studies to know if they're okay. You can't just ask them. Maybe you'll have enough intu- intuition to, Sorry, know, ask to know quicker, but yeah. There's no reason why people can't back up their pets and have them in a virtual space as well. So head transplants have um, already happened on dogs. But more, yeah, but, but more practically, I mean, there's 29 head transplants. 28 of them were on humans, or well, were on, on dogs. animals. Sorry, not just dogs, not but just animals. Dogs. But let's say you back up grandma before she starts forgetting the names of her kids, and then you give her a dollar fifty Wi-Fi chip, which Neuralink will now be able to do, to access her old memories. That means you've cured Alzheimer's and dementia. If you take HIV, ALS, MS, ALS, that there are no cures for for the last 40 years, why cure them if you can throw them away with the old body? Wow. They don't kill you by 30. So basically, the reason that I work on stuff like this and donate a lot of money to it is the fact that unless you guys can think of something else that fixes all of these problems in one shot, this is the best idea I have. Plus, plus it'd be nice for me to not die. And not be in pain at a 150-year-old person in a 150-year-old body. Be I'll be a 150-year-old person in a 20-year-old body. You'll be in George Clooney's body. One more question. 
<laughs> you said you can only one more. <laughs> <laughs> you said you could cap the what is it the thing to make telemeters. it telemeters, um, telemeters, yeah. telemeters to grow a human from in four years as a twenty year old. But does it keep growing at that rate? Can you recap it, or is it doesn't oh, yeah. matter? Because no, you, you can just keep you can growing more it. bodies. You can adjust it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So after that, you slow it down. So maybe it takes twenty years to grow ten years. Now again, everything I'm talking about, half of it is practical and happens now. Ted Berger at USC has proven what he calls prosthetic memory. We can upload memories of a a mice into a fake brain and then load it back into the mouse and then show that the mouse effectively has Alzheimer's if he flicks the switch. He's proven it enough times in a row for it to be published in American Scientific Journal and he got, I think, 200 million in funding from DARPA because it's easier to Google a terrorist's memories than interrogate them. So there's military applications for this too. Um, So that whole upload, backup, Part. I mean, Elon Musk has videos out there of uh, I think it's chimpanzees playing Pong. Yes. And then they pan down with the camera and show that the joystick's plugged out. So it's just reading their memory to know where to move the bat. Um, so the backup part is working. Uh, the parts we don't have yet is the ability to restore it fully, restore consciousness, which is separate from memory, uh, to be able to do that correctly. And we also don't have a universal translator. So if you go in the other room and visualize a triangle and I take the electrical activity from your brain or your visual cortex and put it into my brain, it'll look like junk. It's like PC to Mac, right? Or maybe in this case, more PC to Mac. (laughs) But if I take that triangle data and put it back in your brain, it'll make perfect sense to you and you'll see a triangle. That's why now they can record your dreams and kind of play it back to you on a screen to see what you dreamt of. Or if you go to a room and watch a movie trailer, and you come out, we can plug it to your brain and kind of see the movie trailer the same way you'd remember it. Uh, you'll see some of that on YouTube. Um, but what we need is if I had a box here that's a universal translator of this is what Tarzan's triangle means and this is what Walter's triangle means, then we can have a whole phone call without ever speaking. And we can communicate 28,000 times faster. Because the way I think right now, and then I have to put that into words, and I have to speak, and then those sound waves have to hit your ears, and then you have to turn that back into words, and then you have to understand that, or we're texting or on a keyboard or whatever, limits these two supercomputers from talking. If we could go direct, we'd be able to talk at a much faster bandwidth. (laughs) So it's literally like we're all talking right now through Morse code instead of directly. So us talking right now is antiquated. Yes. In advance. Antiquated in advance. Uh, A lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah, three more minutes. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but this is not what my company does every day for people. This is just my hobbies. Okay, so concierge up. Explain that. Well, we, we ended up, like all people recommend, I try to be the dumbest guy in my company. So we've hired very, very smart people in my company who go down rabbit holes much deeper than I do in various different areas. And we've worked together for 30 years. And we have a lot of best practice and discipline from our education on the right way to approach things. So people can come to us with projects. If they want to build Disneyland in Canada, they're like, okay, how do I do that? I have the money, I have the idea, but now I got to do find the land and do zoning and deal with the politicians and hire all the people and put up security cameras and figure out the best rides. And this thing's going to be around in 40 years. So what do rides look like in 40 years? And what about our branding and so on? And we've seen so much, we can put all that together, like at the very top level of managing mega projects. That's one thing we can do. On the more practical level, somebody has a startup or a company with maybe 20 or 30 employees in it. And 
maybe they were more right-brained, so they're more on the sales and marketing side, and that's what got them where they're at. But now they're struggling to grow any bigger than that because you, just sales and marketing is not going to fix everything. So now all of the left brain side of process and procedure and protection and legal and cyber and testing and quality assurance and all the things that make a company bulletproof and last a long time, they'll come to us and engage us and ask us to seal all that up before they get fired, bankrupt or put out of business because they ignored that part. And then they're, they will get happier because they're not being called every day with fires that broke out. And then um, their staff will be happier because they're not working in somewhere that's constantly in chaos. So we raise what's called a CMM level or capability maturity model of a company. There's a scale of one to five on kind of how startup he is a company all the way up to a company that's just working on continuous improvement where everything's measured, everything's in a dashboard, you know what everyone's doing. And now you're, the CEO's job is simply look five, 10 years ahead and go, what do we do next? instead of always dealing with the last couple of weeks of fires that broke out. Uh, and then the individuals, the CEOs themselves will say, I want to secure my family, my house. I am worried about rolling blackouts. Uh, I want alternate power solutions off the grid. I want to know how easy it is for someone to break into my bank accounts or steal my Bitcoin or take my data or, or anything else. And we come in kind of with the mindset of if I was to hack you, here's all the ways I could screw up your life with an assessment and like, okay, how many of these things would you like to close and resolve so you have no single point of failure in your life? Because if you go from earning nothing to finally you built a business and you've made a couple of million and you've paid off your mortgage, at that point, the most important thing in the world is not going backwards, not losing it all again, starting over. So we're the guys who can come in and say, okay, how badly do you not want to go backwards? And let's start shoring that up as much as you want so people can just go to conciergeup.com go to conciergeup.com and just type in whatever your your funded request is so we take problems from 10 grand upwards and we work like a law firm you put down a deposit because you don't know what your problem costs i don't know what your problem costs but 10 grand separates the talkers from the doers and we'll give it back to you obviously if we don't use it but at least then we can jump on a call and figure out what do you need how far have you gotten we, we joke about our slogan being the customer's always wrong, but if that's not true, why hire us? And then we work with you piece by piece every week as long as you like it. And there's no tricks. If you don't like us, stop hiring us and we'll give you back whatever you have on deposit. The customer's always wrong. I love that. <laughs> that's why you hired us. Why you hire us. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to try to convince Walter O'Brien to come back for third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth, and eleventh episode over the course of time. Uh, I'm here with Real Tarzan. Check out Walter O'Brien. He has some social media. He's mostly going to be go to concierge.com if you have a funded problem. Go visit him there. Come see him speak at some of our events. He doesn't speak at very many events, but luckily he's been to some of our events each year for many, many years now. All right, guys. As we always say, you know, we grew up thinking it's rude to talk about money. We think it's rude to not talk about money. So it's important to have these discussions with your friends, family, followers, coworkers, etc. Have blunt discussions about finances, accounting, credit scores, salaries, bank accounts, loans, and everything in between. And have real, honest, open discussions about money because it is a important factor of our lives, no matter what the media or what our households have told you over the course of our lifetimes. It is critical for you to have these discussions. And that's why I think our podcast has been doing so well and you've been sharing it so much is we need people to have these discussions you need to talk about it. You need to not be shy about it because the difference of you discussing it can help your friends, family, followers, and yourself 
save yourselves a lot of money, make you more money, etc. I'm Dan Fleischman. We're here with Walter O'Brien, The Real Tarzan, and we will see you next Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Money Mondays. I am here with my co-host, The Real Tarzan. As I always mentioned, Tarzan's getting over 200 million views a month on social media, except as you guys have noticed the last month or so, he's making me have to change my story because this month he got 195 million views in the first three weeks just on Instagram. So we're going to have to come up with a new tagline for you, buddy. I don't know what it's going to be. We're going to have to track all the numbers and combine them all together. Man, no, (laughs) I'm just trying to get to a billion views every month. In the year 2023, short, right. Tarzan had 2 billion views in 2023. So let that sink in for a second. All right, guys. So on the Money Mondays, we cover three core topics. How to make money, how to invest money, how to give it away to charity. Also, the main importance for this podcast and why we've been number one for 43 out of the 40, 52 weeks in existence is people are enjoying and need to talk about money. We all grew up thinking it's rude to talk about money. We think it's rude to not talk about money. You have to have discussions about salaries, finances, credit, FICO scores. Most people can't even spell FICO. They don't know what the heck's going on. They don't know how to deal with the IRS and taxes and loans, and they don't want to talk about it because they think it's rude or it's uncomfortable. And we are here to tell you, and we are here to spread the message that it's not uncomfortable. You need to have these discussions because money is an important part of your daily life because you do take loans. You do need credit. You do have to pay taxes. You do deal with, like, you deal with these things on a daily basis, so you need to talk about it. And that's what we're going to do here today. So, our guest has built a very large company. He's built a very large social media following. He makes really fun videos with cars, guns, helicopters, and everything in between. So, if you can, wherever you are in the world, right this second, please give a warm round of applause to Mr. Brian Goldstein. Thank you, fellas, for having me. (laughs) So, Brian, the way this works is we go over those three core topics, and we keep these podcasts at under 40 minutes because the average workout, 45 minutes. The average commute to work is 45 minutes, so we do 35 to 40 minute podcasts here. And we'd like to start off with a quick two minute bio so we can get straight to the money. All right, guys. So as you know, Dan, um, had an interesting childhood, came from drug and alcohol abuse, was in special ed through fuck, sixth grade through first year of college, stepped into the family business of healthcare at 17, um, went to med school at the same time of running the business. Grew up from four employees to 346 employees across 33 states. Uh, Pissed off the government a little bit. Pissed off some other people. Sold out two years ago now. And been focused on just helping brands grow their business and doing all the back-end stuff of, fuck, I grew my social media insanely and I wasn't trying to be an influencer. It was just based on marketing and, you know, doing stuff with you and all these other fun things. And people just don't realize how easy it is to grow a network. So... There's a lot that happened in that 47 seconds yep. with that bio. <laughs> Walk us through why, after all these years, did mm-hmm. you decide, I'm going to actually showcase my world, I'm going to showcase when I'm shooting, when I'm jumping out of helicopters, when I'm racing cars, why did you decide to show the behind the scenes of your lifestyle? 2020, I had a shift. I finally became pain-free. Um, I got stem cells in Colombia in my neck, my back, and like cut my pain by 70%. Then I did the gastric sleeve, shaved off another 110 pounds. 110 pounds? Yeah. I was a big boy. I'll show you a picture later. Whoa. We're That's really dope, good friends. Bro. I don't remember that number. And keep in mind, I don't go to the gym like this, dude. I just changed what I ate. 
And that's why I was asking the protein question because they're like, you got to get 120 grams a day. I'm like, but my stomach's this big, guys. Like, how you want that to happen? PB and J sandwiches, bro. Boom. I, I, I think I'm 110 pounds. <laughs> you, you I lost me. more than my camera guy, <laughs> and he's 95. <laughs> And then, For the record, I'm more than 110, okay? I'm at least 112. <laughs> Let's if, just be clear. If Tim can pick you up like this, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely doesn't need two hands. <laughs> um, and then I just... Someone dragged me into a psilocybin ceremony. Hmm. And then from there, it just shifted my mindset of built this amazing company. I've done all these amazing things, but why isn't the knowledge out there? Just like Money Mondays and started showcasing it, connecting with guys like you and just really showing parts of my life. I don't really show sure. my personal life, but the exterior stuff I do show a lot more now. Why do you think most people in society are not good at making money? They listen to their friends and don't trust their gut. It's really not that hard. People overcomplicate making money. Yeah, like, if you believe in it, do it. Even if all your friends said Money Monday's podcast was a horrible idea, you'd still do it. No one's going to stop sure. you f from doing anything. Oh, you want a food line in another country? You're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I said I'm going to throw the world's largest toy drive, I'm going to build a 26-acre ranch with the real Tarzan and 200 animals. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous. Sounds ridiculous, but you set a time span of getting it done, and you get it done in probably half most of the mm -hmm. time. And people don't realize, like, okay, you have a goal of you want to make $100 million a year. Cool. How are you going to get there? Draw the map. And Dan, you are the king of whiteboarding shit out. I love whiteboards. <laughs> or butcher paper, whatever people prefer, and map it out, and then you have a plan. Okay, here's 12 months from now. How do we get to now? For those of you sitting at home right this second, there are so many ways for you to make money. If you're good at doing makeup, why don't you charge people to do makeup? Get your cosmetology license. You like doing hair? Make up 50 bucks, 100 bucks a session, do hair. You're really good at Spanish? <laughs> Hone your skills and start teaching Spanish. People pay you 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks an hour to teach Spanish from your laptop or your phone. Let alone in person, then you can charge 100 bucks. Oh, you're good at guitar or piano? You like dogs? Walk some dogs. You have two extra bedrooms at your place? Airbnb out some of your apartment units. And people don't realize it's that simple. You have extra shit in your house you need to get rid of. Sell it. Do you know how much extra stuff you guys all have right now? Thousands of items. Like, literally, the amount of shoes and dresses and hats and clothes and jewelry and watches and accessories and sports cards and video games and things that you're like, oh, it's just crap. People buy all your crap. You go to Facebook Marketplace, you go to eBay and all these platforms... Or you don't have to be the one to do it. Have someone come over and do Poshmark for you. Sell all your clothes for you. Don't want to deal with all that stuff? Donate it. But you have so much stuff. You have so much access to making money from your skills, whether it's your brain or your hands. Like You have so many access to making money. It's mind-blowing when I see people that are just like, oh, I make 15 bucks an hour. That's all I can do. I work 30 hours a week. Do you know how many hours a week there are? There's a lot. I was actually just doing the math with Suresh. By end of day tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, the last nine days, we will we'll have done 180 hours. But that's the and you life. don't have to. I don't have to, but that's right. the life we live where, fuck, I got to outdo what I did the day before. Why do you think that people have such limiting beliefs about money? Upbringing. I think social media also has blurred people on they're not doing enough, so then they just sit there and pout with themselves. They get depressed. They just... 
I don't know, we've all seen it. We all deal with social media people and they're like, oh, you live such an amazing life. Yeah. How many hours a week you work, Tarzan? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't stop. Yeah. No stop. And that's what people don't understand. It's just, it's not that hard. They just need to slow down and really just think and stop listening to the family members that are putting them down. Change the circle they're in. Like, you can figure someone out by the five people that hang around the most. For sure. Tarzan, you crafted your passion for animals into business quite young. You're working with zoological foundation and working with zoos and working with sanctuaries and all these things from childhood. And as soon as you were allowed to work, work high school and college, you were working all these places. When someone wants to craft their passion into a business, talk us through how you did that. First, you got to believe, you know, um, it's like telling someone when you're young, you want to be Tarzan. And I'm like, bro, what? You want to do what? <laughs> you want to be what? You're like, oh, the real Tarzan. They want to be the real. I don't live like Tarzan. I want to be Tarzan. And people are like, well, what are you talking about, bro? And I'm just like, well, I'm just going to have to show you. And You're showing us. You know, and it, just having the belief that you can do something. You can, your wildest dreams in your head of going out and educating about sharks, educating about being a marine biologist, going to school for it, you know, while doing a wild jungle starting a business going out traveling shooting content doing different brand deals you know learning from different teachers just growing your personal brand as a whole is not easy it takes work that's what Lots people don't work. understand and you gotta if you're gonna do all the work you gotta do something you're passionate about so you don't get burned out you know if you're doing something you don't like and you're making a lot of money you're probably gonna get burned out after a while because you don't like it you're not happy you know and um as you both know, business are up and down and up and down. Work with animals, up and down and up and down. It's never a dull moment. It's never a dull moment in building any type of business, any type of brand, you know, especially in the beginning stages, especially in today's chaotic world. You know, you don't know what's going on, what's next. You know, thinking outside the box, growing platforms on social media. Think about the people that were doing animals 20 years ago, and it was like, we got to figure it out. We're going to do this. And like, boom, social media pops up. They're just left in the dust like that. You know, there's different sanctuaries around the world we visit that have been thriving for 30 years. And now they're just slowly dwindling away because they don't have any social presence. And they're not adapting. Not adapting, you know. And uh, I think um, one of the, I think it was Charles Darwin was like, it's not survival of the fittest. It's the per the one that survives is the one that's able to adapt the best to this environment, you know, and it's time. So constantly be adaptive to your environment and you will succeed. That's how you survive in the jungle, right? Yep, and adapt. Brian, so we talked a bit about making money. Let's talk about it on the investing side. Mm -hmm. When you changed your life from focusing on building the business, mm -hmm. when do you decide or how do you decide what to invest in when you have so many options out there and categories to invest into? So like anyone who's made money, you've taken some L's on investments and probably lost five, $10 million on investments that didn't work. And then I realized, let's start buying real estate. Let's start investing in hard money lending. You know, real estate's not going anywhere. No. And it's only appreciating. If you can put enough money down where there's still a positive cash flow, it's only going to appreciate. And that's what I learned. I'm like, okay, I built an amazing business, but doing this every day blows. What can I do that's passive that still makes me money while I sleep? People paying me rent, 
getting my interest payments every month from the hard money lending, all of that stuff. It's like, oh, this is fucking amazing. Can you explain the general concept? What is hard money lending? So Mike doesn't want to go through Wells Fargo for a loan because they're going to take 90 days. They're going to ask him a million questions. Mike shows us his balance statement showing cash, blah, blah, blah. He can afford the payment. We can close a loan in 10 days. You're going to pay three points higher than everything else that's out there, even as much as five points higher. But there's no huge underwriting process. They check out you. You have to put 40% down. Max, the company I work with, does 60% loan to value. And they close in under two weeks. Wow. Which means you can beat out a lot of buyers as well. So it's an alternative to bank financing. Boom. And then you can refinance it right after you're done if you're in a pinch to just bang out a deal or you drag it till you figure it out but you just got to make sure it pencils for you know what you're trying to do right around the time this podcast come out actually i have a surprise i haven't told anybody in this room i'm actually coming out it's already done now it's called elevator funding so elevatorfunding.com we do smaller amounts though it's five thousand to two hundred fifty thousand dollars we'll loan you money really fast like the same day next day and it's, I don't call it microloans because still you can borrow a quarter million dollars. But Elevator Funding, I partnered with a large company. They do like 200 or $250 million a year in loans. Oh, wow. And so they back the whole thing with me. And it's perfect because San Diego guys, they do $200 million, $250 million a year in loans. And then I obviously have this big entrepreneur following that could use extra money. And we're here with the Money Mondays. So they could use extra money because they're listening to a show about money. And so Elevator Funding, it's elevatorfunding.com. People can apply and literally borrow five grand up to $250,000 like that. And so it's interesting to me. That's why I asked about hard money lending. I want to explain to people about loans because, again, we don't talk about it enough. Nope. Most people think you got to go to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, or Chase and go through that 90-day process. And they don't know that there's other options that are out there. Also, if you guys have businesses, there are some great platforms like Shopify if you're selling your products on Shopify that will literally loan you 50 grand, 100 grand, $250,000 same day or next day. I didn't even know that. Shopify loans is really expensive the first time and then it goes down and goes lower and lower. The interest rate keeps getting lower and lower. What they do is they typically take around 14% of your gross sales per day. Gross. To repay their own loan. Got it. So they'll loan you 100 grand, you're doing two grand a day in sales, they're gonna take out 300 bucks a day until they get their 100 grand back. Right? Got it. And that number changes based on whatever the, the loan is or whatever percentage rate that you're at. But the point of the concept is, you guys have more access to capital than you think. There are private lenders out there that'll do hard money loans if you have an asset or you're buying an asset and you have some capital to put down. There's things like elevator funding where if you have a business, you can show that you wanna borrow money to help scale your business or buy more inventory, et cetera. And there are hundreds of competitors to what I'm talking about, what elevator funding is. But then within the platforms that you typically sell your products on or sell your e-commerce on or sell your whatever it is you're selling, there are ways to borrow money for that. There's also a company called Pipe. Pipe does like $2 billion or something crazy of loans. I don't know the exact number. For people that have reoccurring income. So if you have a membership club or subscription group or anything that's recurring, you can go to them and get these loans and the same thing. They, they just fund it really quickly. So whatever industry you're in or whether it's for a personal loan, etc., if you need extra capital, I'm not saying to go take a loan unless you actually need it and you know how to pay it back. Let's just be clear. I'm not saying just go take loans like it's free money. It's not. Nope. I'm not talking about government money. I'm talking about real life money from trying to scale your business or scale your life. Research it. Find out these things. 
The things that you hear Tarzan, myself, and the guests that are on here, like Brian, talking about, Google it. Watch on YouTube. Watch on social media. Research the keywords. That's why whenever someone says a phrase or a term or just letters, I ask them to explain it, like hard money lending. I want you guys to understand these things that have these discussions. You might not need it now, but three years from now, you and your mom and dad or uncle or grandpa or friend or business partner are like, wait a minute, we're going to buy an asset. We can have put 40% down. I remember Brian Goldstein saying, ah, I can actually get a hard money loan that'll save us 90 days. Or you're like, oh yeah, wait, Dan has the elevator funding thing. I can go borrow 20 grand or 50 grand and do this thing. Like, We want to have these discussions with you so you actually think about the situations in your life, whether it's now, later, or for the people in your circle. Brian, someone out there that's listening is ready to invest. Like, you know what? I'm making 80 grand a year. I've been saving 20 grand a year. I've been a good kid. I've saved up $100,000. I'm ready to do my first investment. When they're going out there and there's all these options, there's real estate, the stock market, angel investing, cryptocurrency, bah, 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 they're just bombarded by options. What would you say is the best way for someone to think about or decide which path to take when it comes to investing? The safest based on that person's income is doing deals like you were offering people on the ranch where they get 9% a year and it's one or two year term, three yep. years, you get a higher percentage and you know every month like clockwork, it's getting deposited in your account, it's backed by real estate, the liability is as small as it's going to be in any scenario versus crypto, you know, like you were talking about earlier, Bitcoin, if you're planning on long haul, but if this person wants to keep their capital and get some extra monthly, that's the cleanest in my book. So also guys, right now, banks are offering a crazy rate, 5.5%, 4.5%, 5%, sometimes 6% on CDs, on things that are basically 100% guaranteed. Obviously, the banking system could fall apart. Let's not go down the rabbit hole. But household names like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, theoretically could fall apart. But that's like, you know, if that happens, we got way more problems. We got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> In our, our country, um, you got to get, you better buy bullets and water. Like if, if uh, one of the major banks closes like that. But the point of it is, there are some really safe investments that are effectively almost 100% guaranteed, if not 99.9% guaranteed where you can get four and a half, five percent, as much as 6% from just like a normal bank, where they used to pay you like 1%. If even. If even, <laughs> right? Because they just knew that you're gonna leave the money with them anyway, so they didn't need to pay you. But right now, they need cash. When I say they, I mean literally Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, all these major banks need physical cash to back up their loans with their commercial properties. Because, sad to say, nobody wants to talk about it enough, they are underwater with the commercial properties and it's not going to get any better with the fact of what happened during the shutdown and people thinking it's okay to work from home cutting their leases all of that what do you need a 30,000 square foot office for go down to 10,000 or 6,000 or no thousand and just have everybody work from home oh you used to have 14,000 square feet in four cities why have one office now much smaller and have everybody work from home I don't technically agree with work from home. I think it only works for certain companies. I think for most companies, it's terrible for the culture, but for that work culture. But for some companies, it's genius. They don't need to be at work. They don't need to be in the office. And I think that most companies, the reason they go broke or bankrupt or have huge headaches is they have way too many employees. And they do these massive layoffs because they don't know why they're hiring and they don't know why they're firing. They don't know why they're things because they get too big and too bloated. And within that, sadly, Corporate offices, 
huge buildings. When you see a household name department store move out, it's really hard to find a new tenant to move into that. In that massive space. Who's going to move into like an old Mervyn's or... <laughs> Even like the Nordstrom's in San Francisco. They moved out and... Who's going to move in? They had what, four floors? Something insane. Yeah. Who's going to move in and pay a million dollars a month for four floors in San Francisco right now? Nobody. For what? And so because of that, uh, the banks need money. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to scare you away from all commercial real estate. There's plenty of great commercial real estate. However, a lot of them are getting hit hard, especially in places like New York City, Chicago, etc., where they're just not going to charge you know, $30,000 a month for 3,000 square feet. You're just not going to get away with that anymore. And because of that, a lot of things are adjusting within our real estate market, which then goes back on the banks because if those commercial lenders default on the banks, the banks get stuck with it. And they're going to try to sell the paper, which is a whole longer discussion. But the point is there's a trickle-down effect. And because of that, they're willing to offer 4 5 6% on your money, pretty much guaranteed. And so research things like that uh, to get some interest on money that you still have access to. If you break it, they will charge you a fee. But for the most part, putting in capital into things like that are really interesting and really safe for you guys to think about. Okay, Tarzan. Throughout this time, throughout this last year, you've heard so much, right? It's been like a masterclass on listening to guys like Brian Goldstein and some of our amazing guests that have been here about money, about business, about investing. What are some of the key things that you think that our listeners should be focused on when they're listening to the Money Mondays podcast? It's very key to be a fly on the wall, as I have been, you know, this last year. And um, we have so many different topics to cover from, again, most people don't like talking about money. You know, they don't want to sound braggadocious. They don't want to seem like they know it all. They want to make someone feel less if they don't make the same amount. So there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations about money that... I feel like we've been breaking the barrier on, you know, like FICO credit score or mortgages or different types of real estate or investing in crypto. How you said, if you're just constantly buying Bitcoin down the road, it doesn't matter. You just need to buy it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple bucks here. Or even Apple stock. You know, right. stocks, you know. Um, uh, we had Timothy Sykes on with the stock market, you know. So there's so many things that I'm, I'm picking up. Um, people's, what, what do you have? Like a, a, a eight, 1.8 million uh, email sent out on a newsletter about stock market that is nuts but he was showing us how he did it through you know getting emails through his website it's just nuts but that you can get that many website clicks you know and uh, that's a big list a big list man but you, you just see different tactics that people use and uh getting new coaches going to masterminds people investing in themselves you know investing in you know different aspects of how to run your business we had a guy say today he's the highest fifth highest iq in the world uh in human history <laughs> you know and is it is uh eq's low so he hired someone with a high eq and then he got a high iq and it just balances out and it's like bro that's genius you know like hiring someone for all your weaknesses but you got to be blunt enough to know where you're weak at and hire at and get teachers and so it's, and it's honest really with cool yourself. and honest with yourself you know and um it's cool man i love it and if anybody's picking up any information from any of the on the money mondays just get comfortable and asking the tough questions and how to make money how to invest money and how to give it away to charity do not be scared to google this youtube it ask the people around you that you think are smart and have some businesses 
as Brian mentioned, asking your friends is not the key play. Mm. Here's why. If your friend is really good at skateboarding and you ask them about FICO score or investing, they have no clue. If you want to ask your friend about skateboarding because they're good at skateboarding, it makes perfect sense. If your other friend is in college and you ask them, hey, uh, I heard about hard money lending. Could you explain hard money lending? That doesn't make any sense because they're in college and they're, in, have a, they're an arts major. They don't know what you're talking about. Too often people ask people that are unqualified or not living the life that you want or aren't in the business that you want questions about business and investing. That's a huge detriment to yourself. It's actually bad for them, for you to ask them because now they think they're an expert in something, which they're not. And you take that advice and it's completely unnecessary when Google and YouTube exist. You can find anything about any topic across the board from bowling to hard money lending and everything in between. And there's a convention for all of it. There's a YouTube video for all of it. There's an expert for all of it. There's a book for all of it. Please spend some time to do your research on anything that you're hearing us talk about from loans, investments, FICO scores, credit scores, anything that you hear us that is important to you or you're just curious about, spend the time to research it or ask people that you trust and respect have some knowledge about that topic. Brian Goldstein, why is it important for people to involve charity into their personal lives with their family or with their businesses. We all got to give back. And you've said this a million times. Even if you don't have the money, donate your time. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's five minutes. Do it consistently. Like uh, this week's one of the busiest weeks for me during the year because it's SHOT Show. I'm in meetings starting from Saturday all the way through Friday morning. And Tim had asked, hey, would you mind speaking on a panel on suicide prevention and all this stuff? And hate to break it to you, it's during prime time during the show. And you're going to be missing for three hours. Fuck it. Let's do it. Because mm -hmm. it's a topic that needs to be talked about. And I'm giving that time. I'm turning off my phone. I'm streaming it on my Instagram. So everybody can also be aware of it. And I'm not asking for anything. I don't want to be paid for my time. I just want to give back and help people on what goes around comes around. Tarzan, what charities are interesting to you right this second? Sharks. No more shark fin soup. No more ghost nets. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of campaigns. What's a ghost net? A ghost net is like how fishermen like put out long, giant nets and they just drag it off the bottom and they just catch it, whatever they catch. Whatever they catch, yeah. And bring it in. And then they just That's throw legal. the trash back. In some parts of the ocean it is. Damn. And uh, some governments are like, sure, go do it, I don't care. And it's jam-packed with boats from all over the world. Fishermen. You know, and sometimes their nets get caught up or break or rip. They drift out to the sea. And a whale is swimming by mine his business is caught in some of them. You know, some fish get caught. Uh, sea turtles, you know. So um, there's lots of things that happen with ghost nets. It's not not feasible for the ecosystem underwater, you know. Gotcha. It used to be left out dangling. and no, that's just messed up. Yeah, and it's catching whatever it wants, killing whatever it wants. Brian, have you ever swam with a shark? Do you want to? Would you? I think I have. I scuba dived. But it was like the nice one that wasn't going to bite oh, you or like anything. Like the Bahamas one? Exuba. Hawaii. Yeah. I was in Hawaii. Um, the charity is uh, One Ocean Diving. All about like shark research and ocean stuff if you're into that marine world, you know. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real cool project. I've been following along online for probably five, six years now. And uh, just seeing the work they do every day is just it's magical. 
how they're swimming with sharks. They're taking hooks out. You know, they're changing laws. They're passing. And the sharks are cool with them touching them to get it out? Yeah. They, the people, they study he, shark behavior. He was touching a shark in the face last week. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't He's special, people. like you know. But you know, but going going up to that. Shark's just like swimming towards him. He's like, hey. <laughs> go that way. I got a lot of teachers that teach me how to hang out with sharks. I just don't go like pick a random shark. Am I scared of sharks? No, absolutely not. I swim in them all the time. Bahamas, Tiger Beach, Tiger Sharks in Hawaii, whale sharks in Mexico, jumping black tip reef sharks in French Polynesia. You know, just... yeah, bros, crocodiles. That's one. That's just one. There's a Swam spot. with crocodiles? Damn, bro. Right in uh, Banco Chinchuro. Spell it. B-A-N-C-O-C-H-I-N-C-R-U-R-R-O. Banco Chinchuro. I can't verify that. <laughs> Check it. Give me my Carfax. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, um, it's an atoll. Um, there's Belize in Mexico. And um, if you swim out, not swim out, but if you, uh, you, you boat out, there's a, like a little mangrove patch. And these guys live on these little small huts right on the reef and then it drops off because it's in the middle of the ocean and they catch lobsters they hunt lobsters they got lobster traps and they bring the lobsters back to the mainland and sell it's their business for like 70 years but on that lobster patch it's like 400 crocodiles Ooh. freshwater crocodiles um people don't think that there's crocodiles in america they just think there's alligators but there's also american crocodiles and um they live in florida they live in mexico all the way down in Costa Rica, have you, Belize. Have you come across a nice one? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the, actually, those are probably the more mellow of the crocodilians. Um, there's Cuban crocs that are just wicked. There's Nile crocodiles, there's Australian saltwater crocodiles. There's all types of crocodiles, you know. But American crocodiles are probably, I would say, some of the easiest to still eat you. But we've <laughs> 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 seen them eat people. They're crocodiles. But um, yeah, it's uh, they share the same water with sharks sometimes too in that area. Brian Goldstein, last question. Yep. We are going into 2024, a year filled with chaos, being an election year and a lot of media hype. How can people stay calm in the chaos? Disconnect from social media. I've limited, like I run two phones now. I only have my real phone, no social media, no apps. My other phone, I lose half the day, and I've went from like eight hours of scrolling the gram to 45 minutes mm -hmm. let the vas do their job let the editors do their job and just limit it like even if you're uploading content daily how much shit can you do in an hour if you're not surfing instagram and 100%. separate and go read books go listen to podcasts go learn go to masterminds and really elevate yourself to get through 2024 and really look at what's the next 20 years look like for you all right, guys, you were listening to Brian Goldstein on Instagram. It's Brian Gold PhD. Yes, sir. Brian Gold PhD. We're also here with The Real Tarzan with two N's. Um, it's important for you guys to have these discussions about money with your friends, family, follower, and coworkers. As you noticed, we don't have ads here. I mean, at some point, maybe we'll do endorsement deals or a sponsorship deal. Maybe, but we're not sitting here reading ads for you guys. We want to keep these episodes as clean and fast and efficient at 40 minutes for you as possible. Unless some huge company bribes us some massive amount of money, we've been turning down ads to date after a full year, even being the number one entrepreneur podcast for 43 out of the 52 weeks. We are here for you guys uh, to make this a clean, straightforward podcast. But with that, there is a cost. And the cost, the fee is for you to share us. We need you to keep sharing it. We need people to have these discussions. 
So liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing. When you see the cool video clips, you're going to see a bunch of cool clips of Brian Goldstein this week, for example. Share those clips with your friends. Repost them on your social media. All of that helps us to spread the word, spread the discussions about money because that is what is ultimately very important to us. Visit us on themoneymondays.com. Every Monday at 4 p.m. we do a live Zoom call with experts like Brian Goldstein, Tarzan, myself, etc. We go on there and teach and do live Q&A sessions. You can ask us questions. Pop up and Zoom with us live every Monday at 4 o'clock on themoneymondays.com. And ultimately, we will see you guys next Monday right here on Money Mondays.